listen to the reading of the word of the Lord today. And I promise to be in and out. Thank God for his presence and what he is doing here. I, I just, sometimes I love to just watch God's people and what you do, how you go about your business. This morning was one of those mornings. I did worship the Lord, but I was just there, just just taking in all that was transpiring. And what I did understand and what transpired here this morning is, is you pushed your way through, the old timers used to say. You pressed your way through. That that that's that's what it, that's what you got to do sometimes. Now watch, I say, watch this, watch this, watch this. This is this is this is what the old timers know as pressing your way through. And so you came in, and you know you had to get over the rain, and you know get dry a little bit, and get yourself situated so you can get into worshiping the Lord. And I watched how you did that, and you did that, and you just pressed your way through. And God just says, "Uh, let me touch you in a special way." And so. It's a principle that we can never go wrong on, just pressing your way through, because usually when you press, it means I really didn't feel like it. I feel like there's opposition, and that opposition is usually your flesh. The opposition is your flesh, and so you, 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 you know you're supposed to worship God. There's something deep inside of you, you just want to praise him, but your flesh sometimes just kind of just don't want you to. And when you, when you press your way past the flesh, and experience a breakthrough, then the presence of the Lord will certainly overshadow you, and that happened to us this morning. So mark that down in your mind, in your spirit, in your heart, that when you have days like that where you don't feel like it, you just know, i got to press my way through. Amen. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse number 11. The word of the Lord says, And that, knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly. As in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Lord Jesus, your presence is in this place. We've experienced that manifested presence. And, oh, God, we want more of your presence. We want more of the manifestation of your presence. We want to be overshadowed, Lord God. Lord, we're quite, quite, oh, God, desiring of just being in your presence and having you, Lord God, just touching us and overshadowing us. And, oh, God, speaking to us and helping us. Oh, God, we want thy kingdom come, thy will to be done. We want you, Lord God, to be exalted, and we will exalt your name. 
Jesus, help us today that we will not walk out of this place without a touch, without change. Lord, I sense that you're doing something in this place. I pray that you will help us today, Lord God. Give us the right mind. Give us the right heart and right spirit, Lord God, that whatever we get a hold of, we will not let it go. Whatever you impart in our heart, it will forever be there. Jesus, oh God, I pray that thy will be done and whatever Lord God that's hindering us that you will empower us by your spirit to continue to press our way through we love you honor you and give you praise for all these things we pray in the matchless and wonderful and awesome name of Jesus Christ get everyone in the house of the Lord say amen Clap your hands unto the Lord and tell him thanks. Clap your hands unto Jesus and tell him thanks. We have much to be thankful for. And Lord, we are thankful this morning that we are here and we've experienced your manifested presence. We've experienced, oh God, your power among us. Have your way, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing and reading with me. You may be seated if you can. It is a great mistake in a person's life when he or she does not know the times in which we're living. Somebody said we must know the time. As we know and understand the time, we have to act accordingly. If we go through scripture, we will always see that the Lord always appointed things to happen at certain times. I remember he said, I believe it was the Jacob that, the, or, or yes, it was Jacob, I believe. He said that the children of Israel will be enslaved for 400 years. It was coming. He talked about the coming of the Messiah. He talked about his death, resurrection, his, his death and resurrection, and talked about his second coming. We go through scripture after scripture, we'll see God always marked times. We may not have understood or knew the exact time, but we knew there was a time for everything, as the scripture says in Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything under the sun. And so we have to understand the time. And when we understand the time, then we must act accordingly. But most important, we need to know the time for our very own life. We don't stay two years old forever. We don't stay 16 years old forever. We're not 18 forever. We're not 30 forever. We're not 50 forever. We're not 75 forever. We can go on and on and on. We don't stay the same age forever. And for every stage that we're in in our life, we need to understand it. Because there's something that God expects and is directing and calling us to do in the time that we're in. In the season or the seasons of your life. And so you must ask yourself, if I'm, if, if I'm 30 years old and I'm here today, I need to say to God, I'm 30, Lord. I'm here today. What 
are you expecting from my life? What season in my life am I in? Because you can try to do things that it won't match up with your season, which means you won't be successful. You will not accomplish it. So you got to make sure you understand what time you're in with your life. Because if I don't know anything about death, I know this much. If any of us have the, the privilege of dying and, under, and, and, and can, can experience that death little by little until it happened, the main thing that people do when they are experiencing that is their, they, their regret for things that they wish they would have done. And so while we're in the season that we're in now, let's not regret Anything that we should have done because we're going to do everything we're supposed to do. We need to say, God, I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. Whatever you're calling me to do in my season, oh God, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever times I'm in, Lord God, I just need you to help me to understand it because I'm going to do what you want me to do. You may not know the times that we're living in. You may not understand it. But what you can do is apply your heart to the wisdom of God. God, I seek you. I don't understand the time or times that we're in. And more importantly, Lord, I need to understand the season, the time that I'm in in my life. When you go back and look in the life of the people of God earlier on, they used to say that ministry started for that individual at age of 30. If you go back and look at Jesus' life, you realize it was 30 when he came on the scene strong and started doing his thing. When you go and you go back and look at the priesthood, you'll see 30 is when they started ministering. So that was their marker. So when you got to that age, you knew I better be ready to serve in a capacity in which I'm supposed to serve. I'm only saying that and making mention of that because you need to know today where you are, the age that you are, the time that you're in, what are you supposed to be doing? We need to understand the time. The apostle speaks of his brethren in Rome about knowing the time. What then is the time of the day that we're living in? What is the time of the day that we're living in? Listen to me. It is no longer the dead of night. It is no longer where the denseness of the night, the middle of the night, where darkness has just consumed us. It's no longer that time anymore. A little while ago, the dense darkness of ignorance was around us. But the gospel has shined brightly among us that we may experience the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a time in your life where you were in darkness and ignorance was just all around you because when, when we talk about darkness, we're talking about ignorance. We're talking about, yes, the, 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 the physical dark. When we say darkness, yes, we know that you can't see, but in the physical, you can't see. In the spiritual is ignorance. 
And so there's a, there was a time for every one of us that we were in darkness. It was denseness in the middle of the night and we could not see. But when the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, began to be preached to us uh, and the word of God began to come to us, uh, the light of Christ uh, is what we began to experience. Uh, when you hear the gospel message, uh, you're receiving light. Uh, you may be in darkness, but when the gospel is being preached, light. Uh, Light is shining. And when you're in dark and you're trying to find your way out, you need light to shine to show you the way you must take. And the gospel is the only thing that can do that for you. It does not matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter how much experience you may have. If you're in darkness, there is no other way to get you out but the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached to you. And as that gospel is being preached, it means light is shining. And you no longer are dark in darkness and ignorant and don't know where to go and don't know where to take. When that gospel is being preached, you're able to see your way clearly. You're able to know what pathway to take. You're able to know which way to go. And you can't find your way unless the gospel is being preached to you. You will never find your way unless the gospel is being preached. The gospel is the light of Christ. The gospel is the thing that will light your ways. The gospel is the thing that will open your eyes to see. And so all of us was in darkness at some point in time. All of us was ignorant at some point in time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3 says, look at this. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If you're lost, it means you're in darkness. If you're lost, it means you're in ignorance. If you're lost, it means you don't know which way to go. You can't find your way. And so if you're lost, it means the gospel is not active in your life. If you can't see which way to go, it means the gospel is not working in your life. In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. Huh. Oh, my God, help us this morning. Lest the light of the glorious, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Clearly, the word of God tells us the light of the glorious gospel gospel. So we know the gospel is the glorious light. It is the thing that will light our path. It is the thing that will open our eyes. It's the thing that will tell us which way we must take the gospel. But those of us that don't know what the gospel is, the gospel is the life of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know it sounds not too interesting for some of us, but that's why this morning, listen, here's church. You want to get the presence of God to move in our, in our congregation or any congregation? Sing about Jesus. Amen. You can sing, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. That's your soul being blessed. And that's cool. But all I can tell you is you ever want to get the presence of the Lord to move and stir and manifest in the place where we are, just sing about the Lord Jesus. 
Jesus at the center of it all. When you say it's all about him, he don't have a choice but to show himself to be real to you. You start singing unto him. You start worshiping him. He don't have a choice but to say, here I am, son. Here I am, daughter. And that's why it's important that we give him praise and that we worship him. And the songs that we sing should magnify his name. The songs that we sing should give him honor. The songs that we sing should make people look at Jesus and not look at us. And if we want Jesus to manifest his presence, presence among us, we should always give him the praise. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men. I can't draw you. Your neighbor can't draw you. Your mama can't draw you. Your daddy can't draw you. The only one that can draw you is Jesus Christ. And if we don't lift him up, we will never be drawn. If we don't give him the praise, we will never be drawn. Only Jesus can draw you. Only Jesus can deliver you. Only Jesus Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can heal you. That's who we're here to praise. That's who we're here to worship. So the gospel is all about him. The gospel is all about him. What did we say? In the beginning, God. Without him. No beginning. He don't have no beginning. But in the beginning of us, he always existed. And then he says, I'm going to create a people in my image. But you got to always remember, God, (laughs) my God, you're so awesome. Everything exists, the Bible says, in him. Which means he's present everywhere, all at once. Everything is consumed by him. So you could not know God if he stayed the way he was from the original time. Because he was too all-consuming. Everything consists in him. Everything is made by him. So you couldn't really know him. So that's when he revealed the master plan. And he said... Let me paraphrase for you so you can understand. He says, I love them, and I created them in my image. Now, understand this. When he said he created us in his image, the bottom line was he wasn't like us at that time. So just stop for a minute. God, how you created us in your image, but you as spirit, and everything consists by you, and you as out of time and out of space, and you were just the all-powerful, all-consuming, everything consistent, you God. How can we be like that? Because you said we were created in your image, so how can we be like that? We can't. But what he was saying was, I already had established who I was going to become before I created you. What do you think? What do you think I'm going to make you before me? You can't be before me. I'm God. So he's like, listen, I knew what I was going to become. And once that was settled, then I created you like that, which is what I was going to become. And so he became a human being. He said, I'm going to become like you so you can know me. 
He said, I'm going to come to that world as the perfect human being since there's no perfect human being. Uh-huh. I'm going to be just like you, though. I'm not going to have this, 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 this thing where I can't sin. No, it's going to be because I choose not to sin. Some people think that Jesus Christ, who is God manifested, that he made himself a special way that he couldn't sin anyway. No, he could sin if he wanted to. He just didn't sin like we did. And so he manifested himself by coming through the birth of the virgin, was born as a child, was raised up by a mama and a stepdaddy. He didn't have have a biological dad, stepdad. So all of us who have stepparents, be encouraged. Jesus had a stepdad. (laughs) We got to look into this thing sometimes, you know what I mean? And so he was raised up. And guess what? He became the sacrificial lamb for the world. He died for every one of us. He exchanged his life for ours. We should have been the ones hanging on the cross. Because the law had said, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. So every one of us in this world, the day we committed our first sin, we were supposed to die. But because he went to the cross, we didn't have to die because he exchanged his life for ours. And so he died for us. And then on the third day, he rose from the grave and he walked among us for a few days. And then he was ascended to heaven. And now he sits on the throne. And all the while, while he became a human like us today, guess what? He still filled all time and space. Even though he's walking physically as a man, he still filled all time and space. Recently, I told somebody about that, and they said, I'm not impressed by that. I said, ooh, Jesus, help them. The life of Christ is unique. The life of Christ is everything to us. And if we never accept that life, we can never be saved. For every individual that think differently from the way I just described to you, their view of God is limited. And he's not who they think he is. For every individual, hear me well, for every individual, especially the millennium, sorry millennial, because y'all are so smart, you've got to get this thing. All I got to tell you is, if you're going to believe in God and believe it any other way than the way I just explained it, you cannot be saved because your God is limited. You get it? You got to get that any other way. You want to believe who God is. You, you, you're limiting God, which means he ain't all powerful, which means he can't save you from anything, which means he can't raise you from the dead, which means he can't heal you, which means he can't save you. If you look at God any other way than what the Bible says, and I just told you, you can't be saved because you're following something else, not the true and living God. I don't see how God, why would it, I'm, I'm just at the place in my life where when they start doing that, I just kind of slide over, just slide, slide away. I don't have time anymore because, because if he said he's God, how are you going to figure it all out? He is God. The Bible says he's omniscient. You know what that means? He knows everything. Are you omniscient? 
Which means if he got to take the time out to explain everything to you, we will never get done talking with Jesus. If he got to explain everything to you and me, we will be listening for a long time because he knows everything. The thought that you don't even have yet, he knows it. So when we start talking about, I don't, I just, I just, I just, I just do this. I just, I just kind of drift away. Because, hear me, we're looking for something that will, that will match the imagination that we have in our mind. We're looking to follow a God that, that kind of work with how we think. We're looking to obey a God that, that makes sense to us. If we get a God like that, then we no longer can say we know who he is. We're serving some other God. Because the reason why he is who he is is because he's so different. He's unique. And what he can do, we can't do. We need him. And if we think it any other way, we can't be saved. This is why the Bible says there's only one sin you can't be forgiven for. Well, there's really two sins, but it's one sin you can't be forgiven for. I mean, the two is one is um, murder, suicide. Suicide, not just killing somebody. Because if you're here today and kill somebody, but you got saved, you're good to go. Talking about suicide. Why? Because the last act you commit when you left here was sin. You didn't have a chance to repent. You didn't have a chance to get your life together. So when you commit suicide, you are in trouble. I'm sorry for those of you that may have relatives or someone you know that may have done that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm not being cold about it. Just trying to get you truth so you know how to live your life. But the other sin the Bible says we can't be forgiven for is blasphemy in the Holy Ghost, which essentially is just rejecting that there is a Holy Ghost, rejecting that the Holy Ghost is real. If you do that, then you can't be saved because the Bible says if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if we're going to say the Holy Ghost ain't real and I don't believe you got to have the Holy Ghost, then guess what? If you don't believe it, how can you ever receive it? Hmm. Mm-hmm. What was that? Romans 8, 9. Just, 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 just for you, those of you that want to check me on that. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Romans 8, 9. Look at the Romans 8, 9. When I was a young fella, just got saved, I used to beat everybody in the head with Romans 8 and 9. That was not nice, Brother Sharp. But, you know, when you're young and you're just, you're just, just vibrant and full of fire and you're trying to get people to understand, you just, you just beat them with Romans 8. You, you see that? Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, big S, put it off the screen. I don't want to miss it. Take it off the screen. Take it off the screen. I don't want people to get all upset and uncomfortable. Take it off the screen. I told you, I was no good when I was young. When I was young, man, I, I, used, to, I used to come hard with the gospel. You didn't want to meet me back in the day. Thank God he helped me. Oh, thank God he helped me. Because I, I wasn't always nice with the gospel. I wasn't always nice. With the, I, I brought it strong. I brought it strong to mess people day up. Uh, it was good news, but for some, it was bad news. Because what it means when the gospel come, it means that you got to stop living the way you've been living. You got to stop talking the way you've been talking. You got to stop acting the way you've been acting and change your life so it becomes bad news for some people. They're not looking at the long-term, you know, goodness of the word of God. They're not looking at, oh, my God, what I will uh, obtain by following this word. They're just looking at the immediate right now. I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. If you are asleep in despair and in sin, the glorious gospel of Christ can lead you out into his marvelous light. 
the Bible tells us that he has brought us out of sin and into his marvelous life. How do you think that gets done? The gospel. The gospel is what pulls you from out of sin. If you don't realize that if, if we don't believe the gospel and, and act upon the gospel, we can't be pulled out of sin. Listen, let me mess with you real quick before I move on here. The devil knows the gospel and he's not saved. So knowing the gospel is not enough. The devil knows the gospel better than probably all of us in here. But listen, he is not obeying the gospel. He can't be saved. And if we know the gospel and do the same thing as the devil, not act on it, we will not be saved. Mm-hmm. 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 But if we obey this gospel, we can be pulled out of any situation. If we obey this gospel, we can be saved from any situation. <laughs> if we just trust and obey this gospel, it is nothing that God can't do. There is nothing too hard for God. There is nothing that God can't help you with. There is nothing that God can't do to help you and lift you. There is nothing too hard for him. All you got to say is, what thus saith the Lord? And if he says it, then I'll do it. I just don't want to listen to what he says. I got to do what he says. Faith without works is dead. I can't just be a hearer, but I must hear it and do it. Somebody need to hear today. I got to hear this gospel and do it. I can't sit on it. I can't just have intellectual head knowledge of this gospel. I must do something about it. We don't have to remain in hopelessness, in despair, and in sin. We can receive the light of the glorious gospel and receive the joy of the Lord today. Today. We don't have to go home still feeling like things are just not working out. We don't have to go home feeling like there is no hope. We don't have to leave here today and feel like, oh, the situation will never be changed. Maybe the situation will never be changed. But if God changes you, you will see the situation differently. He will not always change it. Why? Because he's the omniscient God. He knows everything. And maybe the situation needs to stay just the way it is. But he needs you to change. He needs you to see it differently. And so God wants you to leave here today different, different. It may not change, but he wants you to see it differently. Lord, Will you move this thorn from out of my side? Three times he sought the Lord to say, God, will you move this thing out of my side? And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient. What if the Lord would have removed that thorn from Paul's side? Would he ever stay safe? Or would he have just thought that he was the man? And pride would have set in. And he would have went astray. And he would have died in his sin. What if that's what the Lord was trying to get him to know? And God says, I'm not removed. It. I'm not changing the situation, but what I will do is change you. That's what I'll do. I'll change you. If you will obey my word, I will change you. If you will trust me, I will change you. And all of a sudden, you will see the situation differently. 
Oh, God, I want to see things differently. I want to see them the way you want me to see them. I want to understand situations the way you want me to understand them, not the way I want. Oh, God, I need to see them with the wisdom of God, not with my own wisdom, not with my flesh. I need to see it the way you want me to see it. What then is the time which Paul would have us to know? What is the time that we're living in, Tony? What is the time, what is the hour that we're in? The Lord want to communicate this to our soul today. It is early morning. Uh, I feel it in my bones. It is early morning. That's the time that the people on this earth are living in early morning. Oh, hallelujah. We're not in the nighttime anymore. We're not in a place where we, we have to remain in darkness. And, and we're not in a place where we have to be ignorant anymore. We're not in a place where we can't be saved. We're not too far deep down where we can't be reached. We're not entangled to the point where we can't be untangled. It's morning time. The night has been far spent. All the things that have transpired in your life, it has already happened. But God is calling you out this morning. Uh, he's saying it's morning time. Uh, it is not night time anymore. Uh, the day is quickly approaching uh, and the day is when I return. Uh, but right now you're in the morning time uh, and somebody in this house this morning, uh, you need to recognize uh, what time we're in uh, that we're no longer have the, in the time or the hour where we can play games, uh, where we can do whatever we want uh, because the approaching of the day of the Lord is at hand. We're in the morning uh, and Jesus is coming back in the daytime, will somebody be prepared to meet the Lord? It is early morning. It is the dawning of an eternal day. The eternal day of the coming of the Lord is at hand. The time of singing of birds has come. You ever wake up in the morning and hear the tweeting of the birds? Uh-huh, that's the time we're in. Uh-huh, yeah. The time of the dew uh, on the grass. A time of grace. That's what we're in. The time of the outpouring of God's Spirit. That's the time that we're in. He says, and in the last days. Oh, you didn't remember that scripture? And in the last days, I shall pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. We're in that day. Oh, we're in that day. He's pouring out of His Spirit. The day of the Lord is at hand. And we must understand it's morning time. It's morning time. It's early morning time. Oh. It is not the full day yet. That, 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 that full day of his return is not yet. But still, the night has been gone. The night is gone. The night, the, the night is gone. We can't go back to the nighttime. Night is gone. It's, it's early morning time. And that perfect day of our salvation is approaching. Every once in a while, we got to stop and realize that all that we're doing, all that we are going through, while we come to church, while we praise the Lord, is because there's a day coming where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Creator, the Alpha and Omega, the one that created us, He is coming 
back for his church. He's coming back for his people. And the day is approaching. And while today and the days before we sat and we came in and we praise and we worship, while we did those things, it's all well and good. But we better get in front of our face that Jesus is on his way back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus will be here. And I can't just do this and not know why I'm doing it. We can't get afraid of his coming. We can't be afraid of his returning. He loves you. He went to the cross for you. I'm telling you this so you realize that the the, the things that are unimportant, as we talked about last week, uh uh-huh, lose the weight. That's what we talked about last week, right? Uh, saying so the things that are unimportant to us, uh, we got to lose those things now. We got to lay them aside. Uh, we got to lay aside all the things that are unimportant to us uh, and begin to just do the things that are important. Uh, why? Uh, because the day of the Lord is approaching uh, and we need to be prepared as the Lord himself uh, descend from heaven uh, and he uh, will meet us in the air. The day of the Lord. We don't preach about heaven and hell that much anymore. And sad for some of us preachers that we don't because it means we become comfortable with this world. It means we like the things of this world and we don't want to let it go. And that's why we don't preach about heaven and hell as much as we used to because we become settled and like the things of this world. But we got to get back to the place where we realize this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We're working for that day, that day to come, that eternal day. We're not here forever. We won't be here forever. This is not eternity for us. There's a day coming. We corrupted this earth that the Lord gave us in perfect condition. We corrupted it. We messed it up. And so now God has to do what he has to do, which is to bring us out of this corrupt place. This is not our home. We will not be here forever. And we got to start preparing like we know this is not our home it's early morning and the day is approaching we have to awake ourselves out of our slumber out of our sleep we have to rise from the sleep of inaction listen to this if our belief or our religion consists of receiving all and doing nothing. Our religion is in vain. It's just never going to be that way. Receiving all and doing nothing. We will be religious and not followers of Jesus Christ. The day of the Lord is approaching. I don't want to be religious. I want to know truth. I want to love truth. The Bible says, because we love not the truth. Because we love not the truth. Listen to this. This is Bible. The word of God says, because we love not the truth, God send us a strong delusion that we may believe a lie. So what it means is the lie that we believe is going to seem like truth to us. And those things happen when we don't love truth. 
What does that mean, preacher? It means when the word of the Lord come at you and reveals something to you, tell you something, make clear something, and you say, well, I don't know about that. When what I've been teaching this church, when the word of God come to you and you realize you're not doing it and it doesn't make you comfortable, just be big enough to say, ooh, I, I need to get that right. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it, but I need to get it right. Just, just be able to say that because you have hope when you say that. But when you start to deny that God's word is not true, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You, we can't be saved if we deny that the word of God is not truth. The Bible says he is the way. The truth and the life. So whatever his words is true. That's the only truth we have anyway. We want to think that, you know, if I went to the store and you asked me where did I go and I go to the store, I told the truth. No, that's not truth. That's a fact. Truth and fact is different. Truth is Jesus Christ. Our position in the light of the morning demands that we behave ourselves as such. If we are in the light of the morning, early morning, but it's still light in the morning. Those of you that get up early, you know it's still light. It's not the dense, dark thing that's around you like it was at, at, at 12 midnight. It's different early morning. There's light. There's hope early in the morning. When you get up early, you look around, and you see it's not total light, but light is coming. There's hope coming. And when we look at the coming of the Lord, there's hope coming. And even if the hope is not the things that will get taken care of here on the earth, the hope is coming. When you look, there's, there's all kind of potential. There's all kind of hope. There's so much opportunity when you know that you're in the morning. When you know that it's early morning. There's so much hope and potential. We need to say, oh God, thank you for this day. There's so much potential. There's so much hope. I can get it together. I don't have to live and struggle in my sin. I don't have to stay captive to the flesh. There's hope. The Bible talks about his mercy is new every day. Great is thy faithfulness. And when you're in the morning, there's a lot of things can happen in the morning. We're living in the greatest hour ever known unto mankind, the early morning before the, before the, the day get here, before, before the midday get here. We're in the early morning. Can't you just grab a hold of that and realize uh, I'm in the greatest hour that there can ever be because I'm right there of the day of the coming of the Lord. The Bible says, for now... Is our salvation nearer than when we believed? We're closer to that eternal day of light, our salvation, than when we first heard the gospel preached and we started believing in Jesus Christ. I don't think any of us could be. The first time you heard the gospel, you got saved. 
The first time the gospel was preached to you, you got saved. Maybe some of us did do that, but not a lot of us did that. But when the gospel was preached to you, at some point it took, took up some, some, some residence in your heart, and eventually it moved you to obey. And now we're running. We're running. Listen to me. We must get saved to be saved. I'll repeat that. We must get saved to be saved. We're not saved until we're saved. <laughs> Brother D, we got to get saved to be saved. And we're not saved until we're saved. <laughs> oh, Lord. The Bible says that we must be born again to live. Well, it says it clearly this way. In John chapter 3, uh, verse 3 through 6, we must be born again of the water and of the spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. So, man, God is interesting, you know. So here's what he's essentially saying, Bob. He's saying that in order to enter his kingdom, we must be born again. But God, where is the kingdom? How can we enter your kingdom? There's no kingdom here that you have established. And he said, the kingdom is not with observation. It's not here or there. It's not where the crows are gathered. But the kingdom of God. Look at Bob. Bob is bad, dude. Bob says, kingdom of God is within you. That's exactly where the kingdom is. And so God is so interesting. He says, in order to inherit eternal life in heaven and, 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 and be in your mansion, the practice run is, let the kingdom be first within you. He says, I've got your mansion waiting on you. Hear me, I've got your mansion. It's all laid out for you. And so that's the kingdom I will catch you away to. We call it rapture. That's not in the Bible. It's the catching away. And he says, that's the real eternal kingdom of mine, the new Jerusalem. But in order for you to get there, I got to start you out at another place. And the start out place is be born again and let the kingdom of God be within you. And if the kingdom of God is within you, then what's the big deal of you inheriting that mansion? And so the deal is we need the kingdom of God within us. So the Bible says if we're going to receive the kingdom of God, if we're going to enter into the kingdom of God, we must repent of our sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus died for you. The Father didn't die for you. Jesus died for you, even though Jesus is the Father. But Father is the title. The, per, the person who died for you, his name is Jesus. And so we have to be baptized in his name. And guess what? We read already where it says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, we must have his spirit. Uh-huh. So we must be born again of the warden of the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. 
when we enter that kingdom and we live according to his rules because that's what it is. Listen. I'll be done in a second. Megan and Harry can't do whatever they want. Did y'all miss that? You know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody watching them. Megan and Harry can't do whatever they want. So, why would the Lord Jesus let us do whatever we want? His standard, his word, his law is higher than Megan and those guys. Higher than Harry. Higher than Elizabeth. It's higher than all of the royal kingdoms you know. As a matter of fact, they were trying to mimic his whole concept. And so why would we think that we can do whatever we want in God's kingdom? And these physical kingdoms here on earth, you can't do whatever you want. Now, Megan and Harry living the good life. But you got to live a certain way to live the good life. You see where I'm going? We, we, we want God's blessing because we know it's the best life. We want God to do this and to do that. We know it's the best life. But why are we so worried about how we need to live? When it's clear before our eyes, it's the best life you can ever receive. It's the best life you can ever live. You will be blessed beyond measure. But you have to follow the guidelines and the rules of that kingdom. Megan and Harry will not outdo me for something for something that will not last forever. Ours will last forever. Ours is all eternity. Ours uh, will never be destroyed. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be stopped. Theirs one day will come to an end, but of the government of his increase, there will be no end. The kingdom that we enter in of Jesus Christ, there will be no end. There will be no end to the reign of Christ. And so I better get into that kingdom and stay into that kingdom because all other kingdoms, there will be an end. That kingdom will not last forever and that life is temporary. That's why the Bible says seek those things that are eternal because the things that are temporal, they will be temporary. You don't need to seek those things. Help me, Jesus. Let us therefore put off darkness. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says it this way. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day. We're not in the day yet, but that's what we're of. We're in the morning time. Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for helmet, the hope of salvation. For God had not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen. (laughs) I see it nowadays. This never used to happen, but I see it nowadays. You're not supposed to wear pajamas outside. <laughs> I see it now. 
I don't think that used to happen back in the day. But I see people wearing pajamas outside now. But we can laugh about it because guess what we know? It's not proper. And so I bring that up to you to tell you since we are no longer in the nighttime. We got to take off our pajamas. We got to get out of that bed. We got to come out of inactivity and say, oh God, I'm going to put on my clothes for the daytime. It's now morning and I'm going to get dressed for the daytime. I'm taking off this pajama. Oh God. We're not going to do it in the pajamas. We can't do what needs to be done in the pajamas. We got to put on the clothes for the daytime. When you put on the right garment for the daytime, we got to now walk honestly. No rioting, no drunkenness, no chamber, no wantonness, no strife and envy because we have on the right clothing for the time that we're in. It is morning time. The day is rapidly approaching. The sun is getting ready to come up. And we get ready to step into that day of eternity. And God is calling us to that day. Will we be ready? Will we put on our clothes and take off what we need to take off and move forward towards that day? We're living in the morning light. And we need to be ready for the day. And so I close with Romans chapter 13, verse 14. It says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus. Last week we say, remove or lose or take off the weights and the sin that so easily beset you. So, Brother Sharp, we take off sin. We take off weight, but we put on Christ. We take off sin. We take off weight, but we put on Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, the very first thing we must do to put on Christ. (laughs) For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ. What does it say? Have put on Christ. So the, the initial way of putting on Christ is to be baptized Not into the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. For those of us that had that traditional baptism, we need to change. Because this says, for as many as have been baptized into the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I didn't do that. It says, as many as been baptized into Christ. So how did you get baptized? Into the Father, Son, Holy Ghost? Or did you get baptized into? (laughs) 
Love the truth. Don't reject truth. Love the truth. I'm giving you truth right now. Don't let it get you upset. Just say, okay, okay. I didn't do that. Can I tell you a little secret? When you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you know it. The first thing why you know it is the crazy people that instructed you about being baptized in Jesus' name, somehow they just keep on riveting it in. They just keep on saying it. And so you know you were baptized in Christ, right? Isn't that how we are? So, so it's, it's, anytime you get baptized and somebody asks you, how were you baptized? In Jesus' name. Because that's what we do. So the, those of us that, that know the scripture, what it says, we, we, we constantly talk about that. You need to be baptized in Christ. How many times you have heard me say that today just in the message? So we've, so we've got issues there. It's good issues, but we've got issues there. Because we're going to let you know you've been baptized into Christ. And so it didn't say those of you who are baptized any other way. It says, can I also say this? Holy Ghost is helping me out there. Can I let you know this? Just no need to argue within your mind about what you hear that contradicts what you have believed and what you have done. Just do it. When you see it, just do it. No need. Because here's the story. How do you lose out anyway? What's there to lose? Your pride? Your tradition? Maybe that's about it. Your pride and your tradition. But but what's there to lose when you when you say when you show me the scripture that, oh, put on Christ, not put on Father, Son, Holy Ghost. What what am I supposed to lose? You want me to um turn to Acts chapter nineteen real quick. I'm just just gotta follow the leading of the spirit. Sometimes when God wants to get a point home, it's like a dog with a bone. And what I'm on today, is, it must be the Lord want to get something going on. Acts chapter 19, um, 1. We'll start in 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain, key word, disciples. It didn't say people that don't have any belief in God. It says, disciples, hit me, next verse. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be. So they're disciples, and they don't even know about the Holy Ghost? Okay, let's go to verse 3. And he said unto them, unto what then? I feel this in my bones. Were ye baptized? This is Paul ministering. The Apostle Paul that we read all the time is writing. And they said unto John's baptism. But here is the difference between them and so many of us. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. Verse 5. When they heard this, I need to see something in there that said they argued about it. 
I, I need to find something. There must be some scripture right above that says they just, they, they fussed a little bit and told Paul, I don't believe that. I don't agree with that, Paul. Fuss with Paul. They didn't say there was some others. No, Paul, I don't. And these were people that was, they knew the word of God. So it wasn't people that just fresh that didn't know anything. They knew the word of God. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What's the next verse? Verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they what? This is the word of God. This is the word of God. It's not our word. If it hits you hard, just say, oh, all right, Lord. I know what I need to do. Be like those people. Don't fuss with it. Don't fight with it. Just realize, okay, I I, I messed up. I mean, I was just following the people that gave me instruction. But as we know, only Jesus is perfect. So me and maybe some of the people you encountered, we have flaws and we can make mistakes. They made a mistake when they told you to get baptized in the titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We have to put on Christ. And the way we put on Christ is to be baptized. The very first initial thing we must do to put on Christ is to be baptized into Christ. We must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We must put on Christ. And that's where we need to start, putting on Christ. This principle to put on Christ means to be, to to absorb Christ. To absorb his principles, to imitate his example, to receive his spirit, and to become like him. When it says put on Christ, you can't become like Christ if you don't become born again. You got to start over. You were born naturally into this world, but now you need to be reborn and become born spiritually. That's why when people says, I can't help what's going on in my life because I was born this way. And I will say to them, maybe you were born this way. That's why Jesus knew long time ago before we came up to this place in life, before we ever got to this point of starting to say people are born a certain way, Jesus knew it. And that's why he said, in order to enter my kingdom and be different you must be born why did he just say you need to be sprinkled why did he just say you need to just confess and believe he says no you must be born again because he knew we were going to say i was born like this let's stand to our feet To put on the Lord Jesus means to take him as a pattern and a guide, to imitate his example, to obey his precepts, to become like him. When we say we put on Christ, we're becoming like him. Putting on Christ, just get in your mind. So when we say we need to put on Christ, it's like putting on some new clothes. You took off those pajamas, now you need to put on the clothes for the day. The mind of Christ. Jesus is the template for us becoming like him. And so if we're going to become like him, guess what? We have to have a, 
a good temper. We must be chaste. We must be pure. We must be peaceable. I heard an amen and a mmm. <laughs> we must be peaceable. We must be peaceable. Amen. We must be meek. Amen. We have to imitate him. Amen. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted. Remember I told you. He wasn't just, just he could have he could have he could have been tempted and he could have gave in, but in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. We're trying to be like him and to not sin. Listen to me. Don't just settle for, well, you know, nobody can be perfect. We're striving for perfection. We want to be complete in him. We can be better than what we are. And whatever you become, you can be better than that. So you can't ever settle for where you are and say, well, you know, everybody make mistakes. Everybody mess up once in a while. I know that. I don't have time to go there. I'm trying my best to eliminate as many many uh, mistakes and many wrong that I've done. I'm trying to eliminate all of them. So I'm not even going to try to act like, oh, you know, there's another one coming. Because that's what you do when you say, well, you know, we all mess up. Yeah, because you know you're going to mess up right after this. No, we're striving for perfection and we're trying to live right and be sinless like our Savior. We know we have sinned and he's never sinned, but now we need to strive to be like him. Hebrews 7 26 says, for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. Separate from sinners. That stuck, stuck out to me as I move along. Mean, if you're hanging with sinners all the time and doing what they do, you can't consider yourself that you're being like him. Isaiah 53 and 9, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. No violence, no deceit. First John 3 and 5, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him we're striving to be like him. When we say we put on Christ, let's stop giving ourselves excuse to sin. All of us, me and you, we need to not give ourselves excuse to sin because when we start saying, well, you know, no, no, no. Strive to not sin. If you sinned five times yesterday, let today be zero time. And if you strive for zero time and you got to one time, then you still did better. But just giving up and talking about, well, you know, nobody's perfect. Cop out. Excuse coming. Because we all know that. That's understood. What we got to say that for? What we need to say is, I'm striving to be like Christ. 
I'm striving to be sinless. I'm striving to not have violence. I'm striving to not have deceit. I'm striving to be holy. I'm striving to be righteous. I'm striving, oh God, to be prayerful. I'm striving to love like you love. I'm striving to treat people the way I treat my... I'm striving to do that. I'm not just copping out and talking about, well, you know, I'm striving. I feel like yesterday I got a thought that bothered me a little bit that I want to share with you because I'm not going to tell you the Lord told me or anything like that, but I just know it didn't come from any place of ungodliness. But I looked and I saw something, and all of a sudden this thought started working me over. Remember I said earlier, a means to an end. I wrote it down. It seems like everything we do as a people these days does not consist of total focus, of commitment 100%. We do not savor and enjoy the time. It seems like everything we do We do it as a means to an end. It was something I saw. I'll tell you what I saw. And this thought came to me. I was driving behind somebody. And I can just tell that they're not paying attention. You can tell when somebody's driving not paying attention. And I knew they weren't paying attention. And then I was able, as we approached a a traffic light, I was able to come alongside them. And of course, when I came alongside them, phones sitting right on the steering wheel, and they're going back and forth. And that's when the Lord just started dealing with me hard about, look at you all. Everything you do is about something else. It's never about the thing that you're doing. He said, everything that you all do is about something else. You're driving somewhere, but it's about something else. You're probably texting who you're getting ready to hook up with. When you finally get to the place, you're planning to do something after you leave the place. Oh, man, he messed with me on this. Nothing we do, it seems like these days, is the event. Nothing we do seems to be the thing that, okay, this is it. This is the pinnacle of what we're doing. Everything just seems to be a means to an end. It's just a vehicle to keep on taking us. When will the main thing be the main thing? When do we get to a place where we say, this is the main thing? And whatever we do, it's because we're moving towards the main thing. The day is coming. The return of the Lord is at hand. And that's the main thing. And so whatever we're doing as the body of Christ, as individual people, we're doing it because is a main event. There, there is a focal point. There is a pinnacle. There is a, the, the main thing. It's just not a means to an end. And Jesus should be the main thing to us. Jesus should be the focal point. Jesus should be everything to us. And we can't just come to church as a means to an end. We come to church and our mindset is, 
Okay. That's what I do on Sunday mornings. Listen. There are people in churches that's not helping them. And they stay there. You know why? Because that's their traditional uh, habit. That's what they have established. And to lead that church means they're going to have to upset their way of systematically living. They know what they do. This is what I do on this day. This is what I do on this day. This is where I go. And so they just stay right where they are because that's their systematic way of behaving. And they're saying, if I change, it's going to change too much. I'm going to have to go learn new people. I'm going to have to go try to see if, 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 if that preacher preached good. I'm going to have to go see if those people are good people. I don't want to go through all of that. Let me just stay where I am. I know those people. I know who the hypocrites are. I know the ones that don't like me. So I'll just stay right there because I already know how that all work. I don't want to go no place else. Are you kidding me? We need to be where we're moving towards that eternal day, Bob. We need to be in a place that's helping us move to that eternal day. And if you're in a place where you're not being moved to that eternal day, you need to ask the Lord one thing. Is it me or is it the church, Lord? We need to put on Christ. However you see fit to put on Christ today, let's take a few moments before we leave to put on Christ. We need his mindset. We need his spirit. We need to have his character. We need to have his, 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 his ways in us, the mind of Christ working through us, which is the Holy Spirit. We, we need to put on Christ today before we leave. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. We thank you for your word today. God, you've challenged us in this place today. Oh, God, you're helping us. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, that we will take your word as you want us to receive it. Lord, whatever has challenged us, help us to receive it with gratefulness, with thankfulness.